Legions and Hasty. I'm the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development, the Presbyterian Foundation, here with my friend Emily McGinley. Um, you're in Chicago. Yes. It's Chicago land, so there's like a location within Chicago. Yeah, actually, I'm from the Northwest, and when I saw this phrase, Chicago land, before I moved, I did not I, so what I have actually recently learned after living here for almost 15 years um, is that Chicagoland is a phrase that was started or coined, a uh, term that was coined by um, the person who at whatever point, I don't know if he started the Chicago Tribune or let like oh. oversaw the Chicago Tribune for however many decades. And he coined that term as Chicagoland is wherever the Chicago Tribune is um, distributed. Oh. So yeah. just a quote from your book. It's part of the capital W white supremacy, <laughs> you know, privileged people calling all the shots. Who gets to decide? That's right. Who gets to decide? I remember when I was a history major at Wake Forest, you know, finally, I mean, I saw like history is a history book. That's the way it happened. That's what happened. No, right. whoever writes the history, you know, right. it's why in the Presbyterian Church, the clerk position mm -hmm. is very important because they, they write <laughs> down, you know, exactly how it happened, you know. So. I like how you folded in some, um, like, Presbyterian polity in there as well. That was very... I mean, this is my world. Yeah, <laughs> I also was in a conversation with someone who's a cartographer or, like, a, a, a an academic around cartography, and they were, they were also talking about maps, like, who gets to decide what what constitutes the edges of a map, what gets included, what doesn't, you know, landmarks, that kind of thing. It was, I was like, whoa, this is deep, you know? This, yeah. I haven't, all the things that shape our assumptions about the world, what should be right. paying attention to or not. So. I know. so you people who, you can go ahead and get your, you know, get this in your queue to, to order now from Justin <laughs> Press. I have my copy, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Not just a pretty cover. They're, 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 it's uh, I, Grace is awesome, and Dwight Hopkins is, is I mean, the whole the contributors in here are. Mm -hmm. so I don't deserve to be in the company of all those. I was oh, like, what? Yes, you do. why am I in this book? Yes. Well, I remember like Curtis D, uh, Paul DeYoung follows your chapter, and I remember at McCormick, um, you know, my D men group. I don't know if you know, it's called Salsa. It was about at that time, mm -hmm. we were using not intercultural, but multicultural ministry. Um, and we, uh, that was, the only, there was, there wasn't, this book wasn't around. I mean, Curtis Paul DeYoung mm -hmm. got, you know, mm -hmm. so there's, there's been, thankfully, a lot more work in this area. But Brad Braxton, Christine Smith, Amy Butler. Mm -hmm. Watch out, yeah. Emily. <laughs> yeah. It is, people. <laughs> hope for a changing world yeah no did we know just how much change would be happening <laughs> i know so um wow so people are, let's see who's let's see you know this is fun you know I, I i'm gonna try not to look over here at the feed too much but i will right now and see who is joining us if i can who's out there in Presby land Who's out there? You know, what are they saying? What are they doing? Um, there's eight people. Who are hey. you? 
Well, let's see who, let's see, you know, this is fun. You know, I, I, I'm yeah, gonna I don't want to do that. The feed too much, I, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do that. There's an echo. There's a time lapse. So if we say something, we can go and bleep it out. That's not actually, that's not true. <laughs> You're that sophisticated. Well, whoever Life you, means live. Yeah, whoever you are out there, um, we're glad you're joining us. I'm not seeing it for some reason. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here it comes. This is fun. Susan, whoever you are out there. Oh, there it goes again. I'm glad you're joining us. Susan, Sean King, Robin, Sakula, Alan Caldwell. Alan is in um, New Albany, Indiana, right across the river. And um, he told us last week this is his new Wednesday thing. I mean, which is yeah. pretty Yeah, I mean, nice. really nice. So glad you folks are joining us. It is 1 o'clock. I like to be on time. And <laughs> usually, oh, there's a Chicago lander. Isn't Joseph? Morrow, isn't he a Chicago lander? Oh yeah, he's at he's at Fourth, um, and uh, in Chicago, yeah. Oh, Garnet Foster. Uh, there's another. I mean, you have a Chicago. They're they're in the fan club. There's a Chicago chapter. I'm I'm trying to campaign for president of the fan, <laughs> fan club in Louisville. I see. Alan, I think is joining. You know, going to join me. Oh, Joseph is saying hi. Hi, y'all. I love that, Joseph. Hi, y'all. I mean, he must be from the south side of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rich, a strong presence. Rich is doing well, I hope. Doing okay. He's doing well. Uh, he's got uh, Zoom school kind of lined up pretty well um, for for our daughter. And then on the days when the weather is nice, like today, it's like 75% PE. So, um, uh, it's, it's been going well. Yeah. Friends, y'all are not going to be surprised. I say this, I've already talked about recruiting Emily's daughter to get her in training for field hockey. So I think <laughs> if, maybe the gift for this, I'm going to send you as a little <laughs> field hockey sticks are supposed to like come up to about mid thigh. So well, I don't yeah. know how small they make. Them. <laughs> if we have any uh, custom field hockey stick makers uh, watching, you know, be in touch. <laughs> nice. Add, add the, the PE that Rich is running right now. Well, right. Um, I'm having too much fun. Let me inter formally introduce and welcome the Reverend Emily McGinley uh, to uh, this conversation that we have titled Design Thinking in Ministry. Um, Emily is just since January um, the executive pastor mm -hmm. of Urban Village Church, the executive pastor, uh, although mm -hmm. she's been with the Urban Village multi-campus four location group since 2012, um, she helped mm -hmm. pastor and launch um, their campus on the south side of Chicago, uh, a very millennial type congregation, multicultural congregation with various identities. Um, I worship there. It, it worships, does it still worship at CTS? Mm-hmm, yeah. Chicago Theological. They've been a great partner. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful space. I think I went there for a next church gathering. Um, oh, yeah. He has also, is a graphic designer, so um, mm -hmm. I think that plays into this design thinking. She also spent some time after graduating from McCormick with her MDiv working in alumni relations and on the Common Ground project 
Uh, some one I'm a I'm a big fan of that particular project. And what was its predecessor? It had a predecessor. Uh, well, so it was previously it was the Advent project that was specifically supporting Asian American young adults who were thinking in ministry. Yeah. Um, and Laura Heifetz was the um, executive director of that program at that time. Yeah. So. Um, she also is a graduate of McCormick with her um, more recently with a certificate in executive leadership. So McCormick um, is a University of Washington um, undergraduate, uh, uh, has a graduate degree in, in design, right? Graphic design. Yeah, yeah. Right. We said visual communication design is what they called it to try to, you know, and fancy it up. If you, we're here earlier. You can read her <laughs> essay in her book, or it's not her book, but an essay in this book, Intercultural Ministry by Grace Kim and Jan uh, Aldridge Clayton, um, about a little bit of her story, which I remember. I'm glad I, I, I read it again. That before, before Washington, I'm not sure. It sounded like um, you had a conversion experience as a as a te teenager, mm -hmm. and okay. I think. Um, it, that made a big difference. I don't know how active you were in, in church. I'd like to hear a little bit about that, uh, if you'd like, when I give you my opening question here in, in a minute. But um, one of the things that you say in that essay, and it may come up today, is um, strange things happen when you take the gospel seriously. And <laughs> when I read that, I'm like, that is Emily. She gets that is and and when you say strange i'm hearing like strangely good things happen right <laughs> for the most part hard. yeah <laughs> can be hard hard things too right um yeah and you say a lot that you are gospel centered um mm -hmm. and your ministry is gospel centered i read that i also notice in your writing and i, I was in a workshop with you at next that i i think um maybe because I'm with a reform lens, you know, I think you're also scripturally grounded. A lot of where mm -hmm. you describe and work from is from a scriptural point, point of view. And you're mm -hmm. a good exegete, obviously, and I'd like to come back to that. But I'm, I'm just wondering, before we get into the design thinking piece, um, mm -hmm. I think will be as transformative uh, kind of project you're working on now with the Louisville Institute, and in your life is um, what is helping you come alive? You know, Howard Thurman says, uh, it's not mm -hmm. what the world needs uh, but, uh, and where your joy meets, it's, it's what is making you come alive because that's what the world needs. Um, and I mm -hmm. wonder what is making you come alive even in this crazy time, Emily. Yeah, um, I love that question. I love that quote by um, Thurman. I think that, um, Kind of a few things are helping me come alive personally. Um, I've been re like rediscovering my love for fiction, um, and so it's been fun to just escape into different worlds. Although I've been reading some plague fiction, which is like not exactly um, an escape, but but I thought was a, kind of an interesting um, way to experience that at, at this time. Um, so reading and and you know the gift of um, this time, even if it is, uh, can be a little bit challenging. Um, I can spend more time with my daughter because usually like my, as a pastor, my timetables are, are a little bit different and my, what my schedule looks like. So her being home from school gives me an opportunity to spend more time with her and just enjoy her more. Um, 
So those are kind of personal things. Um, in ministry and vocation, I think one thing that's kind of making me come alive, even if it is kind of accompanied by um, a lot of like stressors, is the creative opportunities that are part of this moment in ministry. Um, when uh, you can't sort of plug and play and maybe in the ways that you might have been able to before or sort of um, uh, kind of go with with the structure that you um, have grown really used to and all of that is like out of out the window um, what do you like this is an opportunity to be able to experiment and try new things um, and so that has been really kind of uh, fun and, and I'm really blessed to be able to do that in the company of just a tremendously um, uh, curious and um, experimental team. So, you know, I, I feel a lot for all those solo pastors out there that are trying to make a million decisions at once. Um, every yeah. week. Every week. Yeah, <laughs> preaching and then trying to do tech at the same time or getting their kid to do tech. Um, and so just uh, that's a really, I, I, I feel that um, uh, that sort of sympathy um, for folks. But it has one of the things I think that this moment can do is provide real grace, oppor like opportunities to experiment things with a lot of grace because everyone's sort of like empathetic to the reality that we are working within some pretty um, sig significant limitations. And so I think people, I, I think that people are more forgiving of mistakes as we try to try out things and see what works and what doesn't. So that's, to me, sort of, a, you know, I've heard someone say, uh, uh, never waste a good crisis. And I really feel like that is true in this moment for me, um, just to try, try new things. So that's been fun. Well, I'm not surprised for you to use words like grace and forgiveness. And, <laughs> and I'll translate, you know, time as a parent, Sabbath, you know, some, you know, some really core, kind of Christian practices. I mean, it feels like that's the way you live your life. I, I read that how Jeremiah 29, four to seven is really key for you. Um, how it reminds you, you know, that's that text. If folks don't remember about, you know, written from Jerusalem, Jeremiah from Jerusalem into the people in exile in Babylon, you know, build houses, settle down, cultivate gardens, eat what you produce, promote the welfare mm -hmm. of the city, even in that at exile, because, your future, our future, <laughs> depends right. on it right. still. And you talk about, I mean, that's values even in the ministry you're doing now about being present, about investing in, in the communities where you are, about engaging them in critical ways, um, amplifying voices and, and of justice. I'm, I know, I see you at those protests and witnessing faithfully. You just bring those kind of core values um, I wonder, is there, a, as we think about design thinking and you as a designer, mm -hmm. is there a scripture um, or theological point that, that guides your understanding of innovation and creativity? Hmm. I didn't give you that question ahead yeah. of time. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, I have a few kind of thoughts about that. So my favorite scripture is in Luke, um, Luke 8, I believe. Um, Even the stones will cry out. Um, and I just love it because it's like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a statement of grace that like, there's nothing we can do to keep um, God's glory from being proclaimed, right? It's embedded in creation. And what we get to do is to amplify it, right? In, in the ways that are unique to who we are, the gifts that we have, the stories that we carry with us, all that kind of thing. Um, so that's 
so that's one scripture. Um, also, um, in the Psalms, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Once again, you know, everything belongs to God. Um, and so, um, you know, I don't, things do not depend on me in order, you know, that I play a part, but, you know, ultimately I just get to play a part. Um, so those are kind of two scripture passages that often, um, help anchor me and ground me like with perspective that, yeah, I matter, but I also like don't matter. Right. Also don't matter. Right. <laughs> like um, in the, in the universe and the work of, of the cosmos. So that's one piece. Um, I think the other thing I've been thinking a lot about, um, and it's probably because I just listened to the most re- uh, recent radio lab episode, um, the podcast. Um, and, uh, but I, one of the kind of concepts I really appreciate about creation in particular is that, um, you know, in the story of creation, God separates, um, creates a, a space where order can exist in the midst of chaos. And, and the Hebrew word, I can't remember what it is, but it's a bubble, right? It's a bubble where life can um, exist and, and thrive and flourish. Um, and one of the things that I think that I really love about that is that um, God does not, at least in the telling of the story, right? God doesn't eliminate chaos. God just creates a bubble where life can exist in the midst of chaos, right? And chaos, to me, what that means is that, um, what that tells me is that chaos is an important part of the bigger work that God is doing, right? Chaos is an injection of disruption um, of the things that have kept us stable, um, perhaps, and hopefully I think the most creative kind of interpretation is so that we can we can do something new, we can respond differently, that we are required to pivot. So um, scripturally, those two passages are two, two um, scripture texts, um, and then that kind of theologically, those are the those are the ones that kind of that, I mean, that is so, that's one of the most hopeful things I've heard anybody say in this, Emily. <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> that you say it. Um, it really is. And I, I mean, I've thought I've kind of thought about it, but haven't been able to articulate it. And mm-hmm. Jeff um, Bullock said something like that a couple of weeks ago is like, this is what the church is built for. We're built for this time. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. you're saying is, if we're really committed to a God who is our creator and, and create, I love that creates the space and bubble. I have to go do some Hebrew exegesis a little later today. Um, maybe we'll put it up on the thread. I've got it somewhere in a sermon somewhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is a bubble. I mean, sometimes I feel like that bubble is, I want, I'm ready to bust out that bubble, but mm-hmm. it is an opportunity to, and I, I hear people say that kind of step back and see what is it that's essential? What does it matter? What is it that God mm-hmm. is calling us toward? And this mm-hmm. process, I think it's a process. Maybe you want to describe design thinking um, mm-hmm. more than just a process, but maybe that's something we, a tool that can be used um, during this time to sort of start imagining uh, even a better future, a closer mm-hmm. response to what God wants us to be up to in these days. Some of you all know and got, have seen over and over the 1999 Nightline IDEO, you know, redesign mm-hmm. the shopping cart video. That's when I think I first mm-hmm. was um, introduced to design thinking, but it's much bigger mm-hmm. in, in education and mm-hmm. healthcare and all kinds of other but It's not mm-hmm. been incorporated, I think, as maybe as intentionally as you're thinking now in, in ministry settings. Um, mm-hmm. um, I'd love if others know about places that it are, but it, it is, that's being done, but I'd love to hear what you're imagining there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So IDEO actually was like one of my, um, 
like dream places I would love to one day um, uh, intern with back when I was in college. Um, and at the time, uh, that time, like in the early 2000s, a lot of it was focused on like industrial design. So creating new products, like a new shopping cart, that kind of thing. Um, and since then, though, they have really been involved and invited into processes. So like in industries um, that aren't looking specifically for a new product, but are looking for what IDEO does in, as they sort of think creatively about how to respond um, effectively, empathetically, um, in ways that are meaningful and, and functional. Um, they, they have expanded beyond um, industrial design, I, I guess I want to say. And, and it's a lot because of what the principles of design thinking that, um, that have kind of caught people's eye. Um, it's a little bit, there is kind of a process to it, but it's not as step-by-step, um, uh, step, like you do this and you do this. Yeah, it's, right. It's a little bit more organic, although I think that there are sort of like guideposts along the way and there are values that drive um, drive your thinking around um, and, and shape your thinking for, uh, for in design thinking. So like the core... Um, uh, the core value is and, and orientation, um, which I think is we, we have a, a jump start on as, as people in ministry, as a church, um, is empathy. And so basically what they do um, is they kind of send their designers out to look at, like, what are people doing? Like, where, how are people responding in any particular moment? Where are the workarounds that they're creating in order to make it work for them, right? So a classic example would be sort of um, – the uh, the caps for um, uh, prescription pills. Right. Um, if you are elderly or have um, uh, uh, what's the joint? I'm trying to arthritis. think of. Arthritis. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you have arthritis in your hands, it's really hard, like kind of back in the day, right? The kind of um, cap, childproof caps were like also adult proof, you know, or like um, arthritis proof. And so um, if you look at um, uh, the caps on prescription drugs now, they're a lot easier on, on the hands to use. OXO products as well are another example of that. They were intentionally created specifically for people who have arthritis or who have mobility challenges. Kind of but what you find, handle. yeah, easier gripping and all that kind of stuff. Um, and all of like what what you find though is that when you respond to those those realities in an empathetic way, what that actually does is create um, it makes it easier for everyone, right? Um, uh, Seth Godin, um, a marketing guru that um, that I uh, kind of uh, read his work um, regularly, talks about um, not the lowest common denominator, but the widest common mm -hmm. denominator. And he gives this example of like if you see in kind of on newer sidewalks on street corners, you'll see that the curb um, or the curb, the the kind of on ramp to sidewalks, it used to be sort of specifically in each direction, right? Um, but what they found was actually that if you if you um, make it easy all the way around, you know, it's not only good for people who have difficulty with mobility and walking, but uh, parents pushing strollers, delivery people who are using dollies, you know, and so when you solve for one problem empathetically, you don't even realize that often you're, you're solving for a lot of other issues that people have just kind of put up with, right? So that all, those are all my examples to say, like, empathy is a huge and kind of, um, kind of constant sort of, um, touchstone for the work of design thinking because it's only through really paying attention to what people are doing or what people's experiences are that you begin to both identify a problem and sometimes begin to see solutions to the problem based on the workarounds that people are creating. 
So yeah, I'll stop there. That's really (laughs) helpful. And I know, I mean, it almost feels like another way of expressing um, missional theology, you know, where I know you Mm -hmm. had, um, I think you must have had Elizabeth Caldwell um, as a, as a professor uh, who's receiving one Mm -hmm. of our awards this year at the General Assembly, <laughs> and, <laughs> and also Daryl Guter, who's known for, you know, missional theology, whereas, I mean, you're, you know, the, the whole kind of, you know, you don't, you don't wait for people to come to you, you go to where they are to engage mm-hmm. what they're up to. I mean, there's, there mm-hmm. has to be some um, interaction there. And it also, I understand in design thinking that you, um, you know, one person is not the authority. It's it's right. a collaborative kind of interdisciplinary effort. Is that and it feels like that right. fits church. Is that what you're thinking too, or? Yeah. Um, so they're like inherently humility has to be embedded in in the work that you're doing because everything that you have, all of the solutions that you come to is a, is a little bit hypo of a hypothesis, right? Like. Um, it's working for now until it's not working. And once again, you go back to that touchstone of, of both empathy and um, I'll say the other value has to be effectiveness. That um, is what I'm doing, continuing to be effective for the goal that I or the mission or the vision, you know, that I'm trying to pursue. So what may have worked in another at another moment, generationally, technologically, socially, whatever, um, may no longer work, you know, and it's not like, it's not like, okay, therefore you're irrelevant and you don't, you know, you're out with the old and with the new. It's like, oh, how are we going to continue to evolve in order to make sure that we're, we're doing the thing that we say that is most important to us, proclaiming the gospel, transforming lives, helping to bring about God's work of justice and wholeness of life for all in the world. Like, so is that it worked this way very well in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, will that work today in the same way? And if it doesn't, that's great. You know, like get, thanks be to God for what has been. And like, you know, we can't, we eagerly await what the spirit would bring and introduce to us now or in the future. Um, And so, but that really requires, and like, I'm speaking from personal experience, right? Like it really requires like a little bit of a diminishment of ego because then that like you have to be willing to sort of change your mind when you're presented with new information, which, you know, we have all kinds of stuff that's tied to like being right. um, That does not serve, you know, God's work in the world or really even us. Um, So I would say like, um, I'm trying to remember actually what your <laughs> initial question well, was. I mean, you're you're yeah. describing this is a it's it's about working together, not one person sort of calling. Right. Not a hierarchy. And so you pull in, right? You pull in other folks. That's why empathy and doing one-on-ones. I mean, but I think for myself, and maybe I don't understand it well enough, but the perspective of of like missional work um, feels still a little bit active upon I don't think that's the like knowing live like I don't think that that's specifically her what she's trying to do but when I think about missional it's like us going out and bringing like ultimately like figuring out how do we bring this thing that we know is good for these people um, rather than um, something that's a little bit more of a dance of like how can I um, how can I learn something like it's not like I have something to bring only right. like I have something I there, there are some things going out into the world assuming that my assumptions are going to be challenged and um, reformed in order to to more effectively once again do the thing that I, I feel called to do that I feel called to you know share proclaim um, in the world 
Um, but it, it's exhausting. I'll say that. And having good people being surrounded with a team of folks who can sometimes hold that a little bit more than other times for you. So that way you're not the only one who's kind of constantly right. um, is, is really good. So like, I'll give an example um, at our staff meeting this past Tuesday, we were kind of talking about in Illinois, um, the kind of state guidelines, you know, these phases of, of worship, getting back into worship in person. And you know, it just was like, <laughs> yeah, it was just like abundantly clear to us that like everything about church is conducive to viral spread. Right. Um, and so uh, if, if that's the case, that's communion, the singing, passing the peace, you know, fellowship, like all of it, like it's just you know, saturated. In, <laughs> right. So we were kind of like, well, um, what, what can, you know, given this, like kind of psychologically kind of letting that sink in for a minute, like probably for the next seven or eight months, we won't be worshiping in person, you know? And um, so then <laughs> um, how will we effectively um, and meaningfully um, meet the spiritual needs and experiences that our folks are experiencing? And yeah, we've done a great job over the last couple of months doing online worship and kind of trying to do some really uh, within our, our kind of general format, but like, is this going to serve folks in the long run, right? Like, will it continue to sustain that? What? For some people it might, right? Um, and so my my colleague was like, well, you know, maybe we were kind of talking about what, what kind of survey should we send out, whatever. And we looked at one that um, some of the larger churches that um, have done. And um, what we kind of realized um, we needed to, to hone in on, um, which we hadn't seen, um, was what are the like to break apart the pieces of church so like fellowship worshiping together in person sunday morning worship prayer time to, to sort of like a la carte each of those um pieces and ask people what is coming up for you as being most needed at this time and then to like perhaps redesign mm -hmm. everything that we've been doing to meet that empathetic reality, right? In a, um, or that reality in an empathetic way that is both hopefully meaningful and emotionally engaging um, and spiritually engaging, but also functional, right? And, and we don't know what that looks like. All we're kind of realizing is like, oh, we need to flip this, you know. Well, I think, um, and, and, and again, this is just my reading of design thinking, um, you can probably say more, is it's, um, getting in and your I'm learning here like you're getting in touch with your core values um and what really matters there's Larissa by the way and Mark and Judd <laughs> and Darlene Hutto Yay. White. great okay. people um is if you have questions y'all put it out there um <laughs> um yeah Darlene says we can't afford to work in isolation we have to work together mm, yes Byron I forgot uh, Byron jumped in too Byron Wade um, and to learn like, from each other, yeah, yeah, yeah we in terms of not, not working from, yeah. But we're also <laughs> learning how to ask questions, better questions, which yeah. I think is very a theological kind of thing we practice and learn. But I think in, in this empathetic, you know, redesign work, transformational work that you're doing, it's you're, you're having to ask different kind of questions and maybe not the typical ones we do in ministry. Right. Um, questions that, that don't assume that what um, don't work from an assumption of how church should be shaped. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really like that's a really hard leap, you know, for imagination um, and uh, to allow ourselves to kind of live in that um, uncertainty um, faithfully. 
you know, and actively, actively meaning trying, okay, well, let's, this week, let's give this a try, you know, okay, this is working, that didn't really work so well, you know, this could be better, this could be more effective if we did that. And, and to sort of, you know, when I was in design school, I was, you know, I had friends who were like humanities majors, not, I'm like, not, you know, hating on humanities majors, but they would like, they'd be able to read and then they'd have all these papers at the end of, you know, at the end of the semester or quarter or whatever. And, um, but we actually were constantly, I was always in front of my computer designing and then bringing, taping it to the wall and then have all, having all of my classroom colleagues, you know, telling me about all the things. (laughs) Yeah. Telling me about this works, this doesn't work. Why did you do that? I don't think that's as effective. Then I go back home and I'm working on it. So your final project is something you've been working, you know, the entire, you've been iterating throughout the entire semester. And I think, yeah, constant prototyping. Um, And, and the, the key is to always turn out something, just turn it out and then, okay, let's take that feedback and let's try it again. Um, And there's so much risk aversion, like churches are, um, very conservative institutions in, in multiple ways, partly because people want stability, right? And like church is like the place where you feel like, you know, stable, I can go there, you know, all that. Um, but what that can end up doing detrimentally is, is then a, just a, a real yeah, aversion to, yeah. And like, that is such a travesty because God's imagination is as abundant as creation, right? <laughs> you have me, um, I, I'm, I wish I was a graphic designer, um, but you have, and I wish I was a musician. I'm not, but I appreciate both. <laughs> I'm imagining, um, uh, and actually I think the last jazz club I was in was in Chicago, mm-hmm. downtown Chicago, is I'm imagining sort of jazz imp- imp- improvisation going on here where, you know, mm-hmm. because in that, in that evaluation, they weren't just evaluating your work. You were evaluating their work too. Right. You know, right, so you're right. always sort of changing and learning from each other. And mm-hmm. you cannot mm-hmm. be, you know, always be the baseline, I guess, or be the percussion, mm-hmm. right? You've got you've to gotta work together. Um, th- this piece about embracing empathy, I'm going to call it, you know, mm-hmm. as a starting point is so, feels so important and such truly, I mean, a gift of many who are in professional ministry. Um, they, we know how to do that and we probably can help mm-hmm. others. There are many, not just professionally, I'm thinking really in teaching elders and other lay leaders. Um, so I feel like that is a, that can be a real gift, um, to others. I can't believe it. Lemme is almost, Emily, it's almost one thirty. Let me see. <laughs> um, I, I want, let's see if there's anything going on here. And interesting how churches are averse to risk and yet so many are rushing to open, putting lives at risk. Um, that's, mm. that's from um, Victoria White. Uh, I think she's in Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, hello, Abby. Um, so um, are there any closing thoughts that you have or, you know, um, hey, y'all be sure to watch this, read this, do mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah, um, I th- I say in terms of reading, one of the readings that I'm doing is um, designed by uh, designed by sorry, changed by design by Tim Brown, who's the founder of IDEO, um, and he just kind of talks about their journey and their um, mm-hmm. uh, what the learnings that they have had there um, for quite some time. Um, I would say uh, I you know in terms of uh, um, Things like trying to battle, I mean, battle isn't the right, push back um, graciously against um, uh, things like uh, what Victoria mentioned around um, uh, 
premature, what I would call premature reopening, um, is also kind of remembering our values, right? So like, who are we called to care for the least of these? And so what does it mean for us as a community to call? So we have to sort of, um, I think the hardest thing, and this, this is an aspect of empathy, um, is bringing people along, talking with them about like, here's how we're doing. I'm not that, I'm like sometimes good at it. Sometimes I'm not an efficiency minded person. So I'm like, let's just go. Um, so anyway, to, to that, like think doing that, um, that hard work, particularly in times when people are just so eager, like they just want things to be familiar. They want things to be the way that they were. They want, you know, and, and to call people once again to what are, what are we here for? What are we about? What kind of witness are we, um, uh, uh, sharing in the world if we do these things um, and uh, to call people back to that mindfully. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say. Um, I have so much love and, and, and uh, empathy for our solo pastors out there trying to make it work. Um, I would say try to reach out to other folks and, and collaborate. Right. You know, right. we don't have to do this alone. Don't have to do it alone and, and kind of embrace this bubble, you know, that we're in. Right. This space. right. Try things. <laughs> Try things. Iterate. I want to yeah. thank you. I want to thank Louisville Institute for giving you, giving you some space to work and think about this project. Um, mm -hmm. And others, uh, it's not an advertisement to Louisville Institute, but these pastoral research study projects. Uh, there are a couple of Presbyterians mm -hmm. in the current class. Mm -hmm. I, saw, I think I saw Neil Pressa and maybe, mm -hmm. um, oh, shoot. Yenna Wong. A book that I will recommend um, is the one that I hope to write as a result of this project <laughs> about yeah. design thinking and ministry. So, right. you know, uh, coming out, who I, knows when. <laughs> I've got my, I got to get my card out now. To <laughs> um, uh, But thank you for who your witness and ministry and your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Emily, I've admired it and appreciated it for a long time, and and it's it's abundantly clear today. And hopefully, you have fans who are watching, but also hello, Catherine Smith, um, and and probably some new ones, Rebecca today, Jen James. I'm glad glad just to have you as a colleague, and, um, mm, and likewise, I feel thank you so much. Um, what a gift you are. I wonder if you would be willing to. Uh, provide a charge or blessing or mm -hmm. benediction or however you would like to those who are with us today. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I would say go go out and embrace um, that holy calling you have to um, embodying energy, intelligence, and imagination. And also remembering that you are not doing this for your people. You are doing this for Jesus. Um, and you are released from the judgments uh, and um, uh, uh, criticisms of those around you um, to serve God faithfully wherever you are with what you have, um, with, uh, with grace for yourself um, and grace for what is to come. Um, so be unafraid, um, get a lot of sleep, eat well, um, and, uh, and connect with your people as best as you can and know that um, even the stones will cry out um, if, you're, if the work that you're doing is not enough. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, Amen. although I, I have not locked in the guests for next week, we have a long list. <laughs> um, and if others have ideas, um, please send them along. Let us know and this community know, Emily, how we can 
we can be the church, the body of Christ mm. for you. Um, any, any in these days, and me, I'll say that in particular. Any ways I can be that, and blessings to you and to Rich and your daughter and Urban Village Church and um, <laughs> Chicago and all the places you're you're in ministry. And um, mm, hopefully, we'll see each other soon. Yeah, blessings to you and your work too. Thank Thanks you so much.